0: translate now into our behavior walking with the Lord Jesus Christ and so practical ways that this would work out uh, as we follow Jesus. So let's jump back to verse 16 and we'll get a, a little running start this morning. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so Paul says, let, let your hearts be filled richly with the word of Christ, with the word of God. And what would be the evidence of a, of a life, of a church, of a group of people gathering together that are filled with the word of God? There'd be teaching and counseling, that's what that word means: uh, admonishing counseling, warning one another that we would be ministering to one another. If the word of God is in you richly, you've got something to share. You've got not, you're just not a miser. You've got something to share with others. And this is a beautiful picture of the body of Christ, um, how the body is to function when we're filled with the word of God. And remember, the parallel text for this is in Ephesians 5. If you're taking notes, you can check it out. Sounds very familiar to these verses, Don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, speaking to other psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so a word-filled believer will be a spirit-filled believer, and vice versa. Does that make sense? And so singing, there'll be singing, there'll be worshiping the Lord. It's glorious when the church functions the way it should. And I love coming to church to be with you guys As we get into the words, we sing songs. There's just a a beautiful thing that the Lord does um, here with us. And so Paul goes on to say, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through And so whatever you do, in every area of life, whether in word, in what you say, in deed, in what you do, he says do all, and the the verb tense is continually, always be doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we say in the name, what does that mean, in the name? Isn't that interesting? Because we kind of throw that out, like when we pray, right? We say, bing, 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 bing in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Does that mean like 10-4 over and out good buddy? Is that what that, is that what there for? What does in the name mean exactly? It's okay. A little too much Christmas cheer. I know you guys are kind of perking up. Here we go. You ready? In the name can mean number one in the authority of when we are sharing the word of God, we're sharing the word of God in the authority of Jesus Christ, sharing the truth and love with people when we share the gospel, right? Jesus said, when you do that, when you make disciples low, I am with you. So I would say, number one, it's in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, I would say it also means in line with the character and nature of Jesus Christ. When we say in the name of the Lord Jesus, it it, it coincides with his Character and his nature, and I would also say, I would also say, in the name means that we bear his name, we represent him as well, and so every every time we speak, every time we do something, we are to do it in the name, in his authority, with his authority behind whatever we're sharing, whatever we're doing, um, and also in accordance with his character and nature. Jesus, the Bible tells us, is full of grace and truth. Is that a great description of our Lord? He also said about himself, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so if we're doing something in the name of Jesus, those are some things that we should see in our, in, in, as we're sharing, as we're doing things. Gra- isn't grace and truth a great balance? If you're all truth and no grace, it's harsh, isn't it? Just all truth, no grace, it's harsh. All grace and no truth is, is what? It's sloppy. Is it sloppy agape? It's like, just let everything slide, let it, let it roll. So we need to strike, that's a great balance to have as we're sharing, as we're ministering. Um, how would, what would Jesus do? Remember those bracelets years ago, WWJD? Those are, that's a great reminder. What would Jesus do? If I'm saying something in his name, how would I respond to this situation? What would Jesus do in response to what I'm facing right now? How did he treat people? How did he deal with issues with, with others, those that came against him? I think it's a great reminder. If we're going to do it in the name of Jesus, how did he do it? How did he respond? How did he treat people? You know, do, what would, how, how would Jesus talk to this person? How would he minister to them? How would Jesus respond? Would he respond that way? Would he go viral on that person? Would he gossip about them? You know, again, it's, it's good to think about that this morning. And then I think the last thing is we bear his name. We bear his name. So everything we say or do should be with an awareness that we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? Are you guys Christians? Are you guys Christians this morning? We bear the name of of Christ, right? And remember where the name of Christians first came from? Anybody remember? It's in the book of Acts chapter 11, Church of Antioch, and it wasn't the church saying, you know what, we should be called the first church, the Christian Church of Antioch. Would you please call us Christians? It was the people in the world looking at the way, the way they spoke, the way they did things, and they said, you know what Christian means? Little Christ, thank you. They're just like little is running around. Look at the way they treat us. Look at the way they treat one another. And so that is a name that is given to believers. We say, yes, I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. And we do. We bear the name of Jesus and understand, can I just encourage us this morning, understand everything you do and say is in his name and should reflect him. Amen? Amen. And the reality, And here's because the reality is, people come to conclusions about Jesus by the way we, we carry our lives, by the way we live our lives. People come to conclusions. People... Say stuff about Jesus by the way they look at our lives. They come to decisions about Jesus based upon what we do and say, our attitudes, and we're not perfect, correct? Do we blow it? Do we make him look bad sometimes? Can I encourage us when you do to come clean, to ask for forgiveness? That is a huge testimony especially to unbelievers in the workplace or at school or in your neighborhood, when you misrepresent the Lord to them, is to go to them and just say, you know what, forgive me. I was wrong there. That, was, that is not a reflection of my Lord. I blew it. I sinned. And then want to really blow them away? Ask them to pray for you. Pray. How do you do? <laughs> they get all locked up, man. But it's good. You've planted a seed. You've been honest with them. You've been real and transparent with them. They recognize that you're not a hypocrite. You're not a phony. That you actually believe what the word of God says. That we are to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. You can even tell them, I need healing in this area of my life. I need Jesus to touch this area because I fall short. And when we're real with people, it says something about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That we have something real going on. Amen? and it takes, we need to humble ourselves, make things right sometimes, and it's a huge testimony. Look at the second half of the verse, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So being grateful, thankful, communicating to our heavenly Father, notice what it says, through the Son, and it's because of Jesus we can boldly come before the throne of grace. Is it correct? So the book says in Hebrews, we boldly come before the throne of grace to find mercy, to find grace and help in our time of need, but not just to find stuff from the Lord, mercy and grace, but also to come and to say, thank you, Father. Every good and perfect gift has come from you. And I'm so grateful. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the life you've given me. Thank you for the family. Thank you for the church. Thank you for you. I mean, we can go on and on, can't we? Thanking the Lord. A great full heart is a great full heart. And so we say thank you. We appreciate him. We give him thanks and praise. Verse 18, here we go. Don't be, don't be elbowing your wife. What are you doing? Just kidding. I, I didn't see that happen. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As is fitting in the lord husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them this is so good so the home listen listen gang the home is where the rubber meets the road this is where our theology gets worked out practically in our home whether we're the real deal or not this is where it happens where we're together and we're walking either we're walking in these things or we're not walking in these things and so, we, this is, the home is where we experience God's wisdom. When we do these things that he asks us to do, we get to see God's wisdom, don't we? Do you guys get to see God's wisdom ever? We do. We get to see God work in our homes and, and do those things that only he can do. And so, listen, doing things God's way, it's the best way, isn't it? Who invented marriage? God did. And marriage done God's way is awesome marriage done our own way it's miserable you guys know what I'm talking about there's pl- listen if you don't believe that there's plenty of people that I can share with I can introduce you to that can share with you testimony about doing it god's way and not doing it god's way and I I'll tell I'll share with you too I am so grateful that Tanya's hung with me for the almost 30 years we've been together she's given me so much grace and forgive grace and space mercy I am eternally grateful for my radical Christian babe. And so God gives us instructions, right, for our marriages to function in a healthy way so that we would be blessed. And did you notice it's so simple, isn't it? It's not a book written on marriage. It's not volumes on having a successful marriage. It's two commands, isn't it? I think the Lord kept it simple because he likens us to sheep, doesn't he? And the shepherd is not dependent upon the IQ of the sheep. He's made it really simple for us. Is God a God of order? What happens when things are out of order? Chaos. I heard chaos. That's right. It's out of control, right? When things are out of order, we like order, don't we? Do we like order? Do you like order in your car? You don't just jump in your car and hit drive. You get, there's an order, correct? ignition key ignition right step on the brake we like order don't we? order is crucial you guys our god is a god of order i almost fell out of my chair this morning reading my bible first chronicles 15 and you don't need to flip there i'm going to just kind of paraphrase real quick it's when david king david brought the ark into jerusalem y'all remember that All y'all remember that? The first time he brought it in, how'd that work out? No bueno, right? Epic fail, disaster. Second time, three months later, you know what he did? He read his Bible. David read his Bible and said, Listen, we should have never put the ark on a cart like a Philistine does. The Levites are to carry the ark. At all times. And it's a picture of us carrying around the Lord wherever we go. There was a picture blown. And what happened? He told the Levites, he said, we were out of order. God showed me the proper order. And it would have saved a lot of pain if they had done it God's way from the beginning And what's so interesting is you continue to read that chapter. It says, when the Levites lifted up the ark to carry it, it said God gave them the strength to carry it. Isn't that beautiful? Because when we do it God's way, when we do it according to God's order, who's going to give you the strength to do it? Who? God is. He's going to give you what you need to do it when you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to love my wife as you've called me to. I'm going to submit to this bozo, Lord. No, this great dude you've given me. And he's going to give you the strength to do it. It's it's not complicated, one command for both of us. He wired us. He knows what works, how to bless us. Here's our foundation. Wives, submit to your own husbands. And notice the, the last part of this verse. As is fitting in the Lord. If something doesn't fit, what does that mean? If it's not fitting, that's right. Not appropriate, right? If so, it, it's inappropriate, is the idea. So it's inappropriate to wear your nightgown out to dinner. That's safe to say that. Do you still gals? You still wear nightgowns? I don't know. PJs. You don't wear your PJs on a hot date with your guy, do you? It would be. It wouldn't be fitting. It would be inappropriate. Also, if it's not fitting, if you have something that doesn't fit, it can be tight, can it? Like what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, trying on certain clothes. <laughs> right? And then you, you finally get that button. You get the zipper going, and you finally get the button. Guess you're laughing. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Honey how, do I, honey, how do I look in this? <laughs> Finally get in there, and does it feel good? No. It's, it's what? It's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's not fitting. But when wives submit to their own husband, guess what? It's fitting. It's appropriate. Did you, you guys see that? So what does this all mean? Married gals submit. It means to arrange yourself under. In other words, you're living under God's arrangement, his order. When you do this, you are under God's plan. You're doing things according to his will, his desire, his choice, but disregard this and you're outside of God's plan. You're outside of God's order. And so do marriage outside of his order and you will not experience his power, his grace, what he wants to do. And the work of his spirit he wants to do. And notice when the wives submit to your own husbands. So married gals are to place themselves under their own husband's leadership. And I have to mention this. It's not, it's not every guy you submit to. Or your boyfriend. We had, some, we had Someone mentioned that this morning. Came up to me after service. What about submitting to boyfriends? Do, do, do we do that? No, 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 no. That's your brother in the Lord. That's your sister in the Lord. It doesn't say submit to them. C- correct? Are you guys with me? This is important because there's some boyfriends that'll try to iron fist girls. It's like, no, 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 no. Have them come to the office. We'll talk to them. Show them the rock pile outside. No, no, no. Just, just. But can I just. Um, I, I don't listen, gals, your husband, he's a gift from God. He's a gift from God. The Lord brought him into your life. Can I encourage you to, to be content um, with him, to, to focus on what you do have and not on what you don't have? Your job is not to fix him or change him. I. I I want to save you a long period of difficulty if you're trying to fix him. Personal testimony, it doesn't work. (laughs) Because who's the only one that can fix us? Yeah, it's right, the Lord. He's the only one that can change us and fix us. And so let God fix him, let the Lord fix him. Be thankful for him, pray for him, let him call the shots, let him lead. Try to encourage him. Let him know you got his back. The husband is the ultimate authority within the marriage according to God's word. It doesn't mean he's more valuable. It doesn't mean he's more special. It doesn't mean he's smarter than you. This is just the order that God has given us. It's God's arrangement. God in his perfect wisdom has chosen the man to be head in terms of authority in the home. And I have no clue why the Lord did that except I have a guess because it's something that men don't like to do. Do you know that? You men, myself included, are a bunch of lazy bums. Gals, I be- I believe gals are way better leaders. Way better. Bonnie, my administrative assistant, she man, that girl can lead. <laughs> Tanya, my wife, she can lead. But you know what that means? If they're kind of like natural leaders and we're kind of like lazy bums, it takes the Holy Spirit to get us to do what we're called to do and to be trusting in the Lord, in His strength, in His wisdom, and in His plan. It causes me to say, okay, Lord, I need you to do this. I don't want to do this. I'd rather come home, and rather than serve my wife, I'd rather come home, get on the couch, the lazy boy, and... You know, pot pie, babe, would be awesome right now. I'm just, like, being honest. But it's like, no, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to lead. Gals need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to submit to their husbands. Men, we are to lead in our homes like Jesus. This is not talking about bossing our wives around. It's a picture of Jesus Christ and us, the church, in all of this. As the church submits to Jesus in all things, right, the Lord is the one that loves us and cares for us and cherishes us and nourishes us. The husband is to lead, the wife is to follow. Leading is not an easy thing to do. And I am, again, I'm eternally grateful for Tanya because she is my helpmate and I need the help. I don't run the house on my own. She allows me to make decisions. I receive her input. I've learned, like so many times, God speaks through my wife. Has anybody else learned that? If not, maybe you're, maybe you've tuned out a little bit. The Lord uses our babes. I know that she has my back, and I can go to the edge of hell and back with her. And she is stuck with me through it all. And when all the kids are gone, except for Luke, he'll be with us. All the kids are gone, it's going to be just her and I. When all the smoke clears, when the arrows are out of the quiver, bling! Just her and I. And so, I'm super grateful for her. Can I ask you a question, gals? Does your husband feel supported in his God-given role? Does he feel supported? Or is there constant friction, tension, and battle in your home? Again, it's a great question to ask. Well, how's it going in the house? How's it going in the home? Again, because this is where the rubber meets the road. And so when we do this, it is fitting. It's what's proper, suitable in the Lord. And by the way, because I know I'll get this question asked, is there a limitation to this? There is. No wife has to submit to her husband if he asks her to do something unbiblical or contrary to the Word of God. Are you with me? If he says, you need to do this, and it's unbiblical, you call a time out, I love you, honey, but I'm submitted to my Lord Jesus Christ, and His Word says, bada bing, bada bang, and you you got it, and you share the Word with Him joyful submission though is an evidence that you belong to jesus it's evidence you belong to jesus because who is our example in all things jesus Jesus, and he was lovingly submitted to the father in all things correct so when you're walking in this gals you're you're walking in Jesus' footsteps going the direction that he wants you to go and so the hubby is called to lead it's a heavy thing um it's a heavy thing to know God's will, to keep the family right in the middle of God's will. It's a great blessing. Can I just encourage you, gals? It's a great blessing to give your husband, uh, to entrust him with the decision-making um, in the Lord. It's a great blessing. What, what, well, wait a minute, pastor. He's an idiot. He's... Can, I, can I Can I encourage you to pray for him? Is God big enough to override dumb decisions? One look. Did Abraham make a dumb decision? Honey, we need to tell. It's not really a lie. It's a half truth. Let's go to Egypt. Did God protect Sarah? He did. It came came to pass exactly as he thought it would. Right? You'll get taken into the harem and I'll get away scot-free. How's that sound, babe? Like, what a bozo, right? And God protected Sarah, protected the family. Can you entrust the Lord? Can you trust the Lord to override those dumb decisions? And God will deal with us as husbands. Correct? Does he? He does. Well, husbands, we're up. Husbands, love your wives. Married dudes, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. And it's, all, these ver, all these verbs are in the continual tense. And the verb here is agape, sacrificial love, right? It's a God love. It's a love that only God can supply. And so we are to willingly lay down our lives for our wives to, to care for them, to take pleasure in them. Jesus shows it toward us, doesn't he, that love? Does Jesus show us that love? Yeah. How well does the Lord treat us, gang? He treats us so well, doesn't he? And love starts at home. Loving leadership is what God has called us to as husbands. And sacrificial love, agape love, demonstrates you're the real deal. You're a Christian husband. And our kids should be able to say, whoa, wow, time out. Look at the way that dad loves mom. There's something awesome going on there. There's something real going on. Because our kids can smell baloney, can't they? They know if, we're, if you're something different here than you are at home, do, do they know that? They do. And a lot of times our kids won't call us on it. I would encourage you as a parent, have them call you on it. My girls know if I'm not the same dude I am in the pulpit as I am at home, you need to call dad out. Because I don't want phony in my life. I don't want phony in your lives either, guys. And so, God knew what our wives would need. Not only telling her you love her is that important. All you gotta do is ask your wife if she'd like to be told that. Well, I told her back at the altar. (laughs) It's not good enough, man. They need to be reassured of our love. So not only telling them, but demonstrating love to them as well. And notice, it's interesting here what he says, he adds on, do not be bitter toward them. If something's bitter, is that good? What's bitter mean? If you ate something bitter, what kind of face would you make? Nasty, right? Sour, pungent. The word also means harsh, um, unpleasantly rough, hard-hearted, ornery, and unfriendly. But it's not only feeling bitter towards them, but doing bitter things, sharp, pungent things to them. And that is a tendency for guys to do. Now, gals also, but predominantly the dudes. And our flesh wants to dictate, wants to boss, wants to make demands, but the Holy Spirit living in us wants us to sacrificially love, to be their loving rescuers. Dudes, no amens, that's okay. Hebrews tells us bitter roots do what? Spring up and do what? And defile many. Many. Bitter roots spring up, and what happens? You're not only defiling, what does it mean to defile? Is defile good or bad? Bad. To dirty, to contaminate, to, how about this, to jack up. It defiles many, not just your spouse, but also the little eyes that are watching when we're bitter, harsh And you know what I've learned over the years in marriage counseling, a lot, a lot of years, 20 years, um, with marriage issues, usually I hear about lots of symptoms. Here's what's going, bling, 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 and, 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 and there's going back and forth, and bling, bling, bling. And I'm like, I can't even sort all this out. And that's, you know, that, that's cool, because I'm not called to sort it out. Because only God knows the full picture, correct? Here's what I do know. Those are all symptoms of a greater issue. And you know what the greater issue is? You're not doing what God called you to do. God's called you to lovingly submit to your husband. And God's called you to love your wife and not be bitter towards her. Can we do that? Oh, I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd point me to the Bible. Where, where did you want me to point you to? Like Mad Magazine or something? Like, and then I'll be like, okay, so what you're doing now, how's that working out for you? Not good. Then why don't you try repenting and turning the, making the adjustment and start doing this and see what will happen. And what happens, sometimes it's like a couple weeks later, guess what, Mike, we've been doing what... You said no, not what I said, what the word says and it's working. Hallelujah. God said his word works. We do it his way, we experience his wisdom, we see the power of his spirit bring healing and help into our marriages and guess what? Marriages become beautiful once again, glorious. Cuz now we're doing it his way. And I don't need to we don't need to farm people out to psychologists and psychiatrists and other counselors and whatever we got the wonderful counselor who gives the wonderful counsel right here. Two verses. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen? Okay. Hallelujah. Children, we got some kids here. By the way, this is offspring of all ages. Remember, because Jesus said, my little children, right? Called them little children. You guys remember that? John, in his first epistle, called us little children. Paul called Timothy his son in the faith. So children, kids, obey continually your parents. And I love this word obey. It's a combination of two words in the Greek. I don't want to lose anybody here, though. It's just really cool. It means under and to hear. It means to really listen to what your parents are saying. To really, oh, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because typically kids do what? Yeah, whatever. But you really listen to what's being communicated. And you do it. In all, in ha- what's all? How much is all? In all things. And then four is a reason word why this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Does anybody want to make Jesus happy? Here's how to do it. Obey your parents. Well, what if they ask me to do something unbiblical? You say, time out here's what the Bible says, dad or mom, I can't do that because I'm submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, number one. But if they say, do your chores, don't say, oh, I got a verse for that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) find some obscure verse, right? (laughs) But listen, listen, listen. God says to the children, you need to obey what mom and dad are saying. That's what is healthy for the family. That's what, that's what Jesus did, correct? Is that what Jesus did, y'all? In fact, he was from a blended family. Mom and stepdad, Joseph. Because I hear that sometimes. Well, he's just my stepdad. I don't need to listen to him. Really? You're to obey your parents in the Lord. Jesus had a stepdad, and he was obedient in all things. Correct? Submitted in all things to his parents. And so this is what makes Jesus happy. The home is to be a sanctuary. And can I just encourage the children? Jesus will help you because he's living in your heart. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He will help you to do what he's called you to do. Fathers, next verse, 21, still in the home here. Fathers, dads, this can, this can apply to moms too. And isn't it, a, isn't it, it is an amazing role and privilege to be a dad, isn't it? Dads, to be blessed with kiddos. So, fathers, do not provoke your children. And then the why lest they become discouraged. So provoke. Do not. Pro- what does provoke mean? Agitate. That's good. That's a great word. Agitate them. What does agitate mean? I don't, I don't even know what agitate means. Got that wash cycle? Agitation? Frustrate. Irritate. Aggravate incite, push their buttons, frustrate them. Otherwise, if we do that, they may become discouraged. They may lose heart, be demoralized, be broken in spirit. It's interesting, that word means without passion. It means it kills their passion. It it kills the life in them. Don't kill their passion. Dads and dads especially have the potential to discourage or to encourage their kids. But provoking them kills their passion. And parents are—we are not to use our authority to provoke our kids. Do you guys see that there? That's an abuse of power. There can be sternness, but we have to be careful not to go overboard. There needs to be a balance. Are you with me on this? This is like super crucial. There has to be a balance. Can I I ask you, are you encouraging your children, parent, dad or mom? Are you, I mean, it's a question just to stop and say, have I been encouraging my kids? How have I been encouraging them? If you don't talk to your kids and listen to them, or if you're never around for your kids, they're going to be frustrated. They're going to be provoked is the idea. Demanding something from them that is impossible for them to provide, like perfection, guess what? They're going to be discouraged. They're going to be provoked. Because they're going to say, Dad can never be pleased. There's no hope. I just can't do it. He's, de- he's too demanding for me. There's no grace. And I-, I would encourage you, don't be surprised if when the tables are turned, those kids are not around. If we're continuing to do this. Do you know what I mean by that? When the tables are turned, when we're unable to take care of ourselves and our kids are nowhere to be found because of the way that we provoked them. And so is encouragement powerful? We've been learning this Wednesday night. Our, our tongues have the potential to bring tremendous hurt, but we learned on Wednesday night in Proverbs, our tongues have the potential to bring healing to life, to people's lives. So you've been hurt, you've been been damaged, something's happened to you. Guess what? When you listen to the Word of God or or have someone share an encouragement from the Word of God, it can bring healing to your life. It can heal you. Bringing it to your kids, sharing the Word of God with them, and encouraging words from from the Scriptures. Because you are, whether you know it or not, you're fashioning your kids. You're fashioning them. Can I encourage us this morning to build a solid relationship with them? Spend time with them. How do kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Not S-T-U-F-F. Not stuff. Because that's what we typically do, right? Oh, I can't spend time. Let me give them stuff. Let me buy them them things. Kids spell love. T-I-M-E. Spending time with them. Listening to them, helping them, helping them to, to realize why you come to the conclusions you come to with the scriptures. To help them understand why did why did mom and dad ask me to do this? Why are they why why are they asking me to do this or to to be involved in that? And you get to say, here's what the Lord tells us in his word. You include them. And so Treat your kids as God treats you. How does God treat you? Does he provoke you to anger? Does he provoke you? Does does God provoke you? He doesn't. Does he encourage you? He does, doesn't he? He's so good. He's such a good father. And so the example for us, and guess what? If Jesus is in you, he'll help you. Is Jesus in you? Christ in you, the hope of glory. You want to see some glory in your home? Do it the Lord's way and watch what he'll do. Well, we're not done yet. We got to go to the workplace. You guys ready to go to work? Not till no, Pastor. I got this week off. (laughs) We got to go to work. Look at it says, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. Let me just stop for just a second. I just want to stop. I'm going to keep reading in just a moment. Let me get your attention. If you have blown it in that area of the past verse, the previous verse, can I encourage you to go to your kids and ask for forgiveness? If you've blown it, provoking them. If you've blown it, not spending time with them. If you've blown it, can I encourage you to go to your kids and say, forgive me, I was wrong, and here's why. And would you pray for me? Dad needs fixing in this area, and only Jesus can fix me. That's being real with our kids, by the way. Same way in the workplace. Have you guys all done it right the whole, your whole lives? I don't know. But it's again, it's demonstrating that there's something real that you got going with Jesus. And so, bond servants. And whatever you do, verse 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Why? For you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. In Paul's day, there were lots of bondservants, lots of slaves. It's another name for slaves. Paul is not condoning slavery here. It was a reality. It was a fact of life. And what's so amazing in the church, there would be both slaves and bosses together, slaves and their masters in the church. Can you imagine? But we know, we learned in this chapter at the beginning that all walls are down in Christ Jesus. There's neither slave nor free. Can you imagine the slaves and the bosses came to church, and that slave is an elder, and the boss is not? <laughs> the tables have turned. Just a, little th- just a little thought for you, how cool that would be to think about. And so we don't have slaves and bondservants, so the application for us, what would the application be? That sounds right. How about employees? Employees or students. So let's look at it now. Employees, students. By the way, you have a ministry right where you are, at work or at school. Obey in some things. Is that what it says? In most, obey in all. Your life that He's placed over you. Whoever you are working for, the idea is do what you're told. Simply do what you're told. Be faithful to do what your boss has asked you to do, not with, what's eye service? Fake. You only work hard when the boss is around. Do you know anybody like that at the office? They're just goofing off, right? Then all of a sudden, the bo- they got, it's like they got boss radar. Right? And then now all of a sudden they're busy as bees. They're working hard. Right? Right? They're just busting it out. Then the minute the boss leaves, what happens? Start goofing off again. And you're working hard because you're doing it for the Lord. they're like, come on, you need to shut it down, bro. You're making us look bad over here. Or what do they do? They try to get you fired. And can I just encourage you, if they do get you fired, that God has something better for you? In fact, we see in the next verse, God takes care of those that are working hard for him. He'll provide for you if you're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. We can chill out. We can keep doing what he's called us to do. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but what? What does he say? In sincerity of heart. Be real. Be genuine. Don't be a phony. Have a fear of God, a reverence for Him, a respect for God. And whatever you do, whatever you're engaged in, continually do it wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, with sincerity, not halfway. Believe in what you're doing. Be passionate about it. Do it for Jesus. Look what it says. As to the Lord, not to men. Go the extra mile. Work hard. Not complaining but with joy. Listen, quality workers are so hard to find right now. And you stand out. When you do it the Lord's way, man, it is a huge testimony to the people there. It's like, wow, this, this guy's the he's going the extra mile. He's working. He's faithful. He's reliable. He shows up on time. What an awesome witness that is. It's huge. Huge witness. Knowing, look at verse 24, be aware of this, see this clearly, that from Jesus you will be given the special gift, the reward of the inheritance of of heaven or from heaven, for you serve the Lord Christ. I love this. Because it's like, if I work that way, you know what? I'm never going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to be stuck in this dead-end job, man. You know what? God's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you, He's going to bless you. It will be worth it to do it God's way. In fact, it's interesting. That word "serve," it's the same, it's the same word, root word for bond servant. It means, that word means you have chosen to give complete loyalty to, full surrender of rights to, no more self-governing, yielding obedience to who? to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's like full surrender to Jesus. And you may never be appreciated for working this way, but God sees. He knows. He watches everything and ultimately you are working for Him. And when Jesus is your boss and you do it ultimately for Him, He will take care of you in the long run. Amen? But look at the contrast. On the other hand, The person who does unrighteousness, that's what wrong is, will be repaid for what he has done. The one who does unrighteousness inflicts hurt on others, ignoring God's word, committing injustice. That person literally will be recompensed for his deeds. Why? There is no partiality. There's no favoritism. Listen, if you choose to do wrong, others don't be surprised when painful consequences come back upon you you guys see that with me and the context seems to be working or in the workplace but god chastens his children you know god corrects us disciplines us sometimes and it's possibly talking about in eternity it matters there's rewards and loss of rewards doing it god's way you get rewarded not doing it his way you don't get rewarded we got one verse don't stop listening we got one verse because it should have been attached i think to chapter 3 because we had employees if you have employees you also need what employers bosses masters give your bondservants what is just and fair knowing that you also have a master in Heaven. So masters, bosses, teachers, business owners is the idea. You guys seeing that? Continually give your employees, your students, what is right, what is just, what is appropriate or fair. Don't cheat them. Don't take advantage of them. Don't exploit them. This, and by the way, this would, be, this would be so revolutionary in this day. Why? Because slaves were, were considered just a, a piece of equipment. You get a little, it gets a little bit messed up, get rid of them, get a new one. Hire someone else. And so Paul's saying, no, 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 you treat them right. You take care of them. Why? Look what it says. You too have a boss, the Lord above. If you have people working for you, remember, you have a boss and you're going to have to answer to him. Is the idea, God? You, do you know that God watches bosses too? God is blessing you, boss, teacher. Make sure that blessing is shared with those who are working for you. And, and I get it, you know. Hey, I run a tight ship, Mike. I, I, Hallelujah. Standards must be kept. Roles need to be fulfilled for sure. Um, But here's the deal, man. The way that we handle ourselves, the way that we treat people, it's a huge testimony. Whether you are are an employee or the employer. In fact, let me close with this. We have a lady in our church. She is in a role of uh, authority in her place of business. And someone came up to her and said, man, I... I need to take a page out of the book that you're using. I, can't, I don't know. You do so many awesome things. You're, you're doing such a great job. I need to take a page out of the book that you're reading. You know what she said? What book she's reading? The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Now, she didn't say it that way, but I did. She so said, that's what the Bible says. Can I share with you about what God's Word says? Bring it. How cool is that? Opens the door. To share with those that God wants to rescue also and save. Why? Simply because she was treating people fairly, justly, caring for people, doing what the Word of God says, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. It's beautiful, isn't it? Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your Word this morning. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as your Word washes over us, that that stuff that doesn't belong would fall, just fall away, be washed away. And that we would take to heart the things that you've communicated to us. That we would choose to walk in those things and experience the power of your spirit to do them. To see your wisdom in our lives. To see life work. And we realize apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you, Lord. We need you as husbands and wives and parents and as children, as workers, as bosses. We need you desperately. That work of your spirit. And so as we give you our obedience, thank you for how you work in our lives.